0: Welcome to Saturday Simulcast, and our guest today will be Mike Carmen. Uh, Mike, I don't know, he's got wears so many hats that he's not even wearing a hat right now. He's just he just is. But Greater Lafayette Sports Report. Uh, if you haven't watched, haven't checked into that, you should because uh, it is. Uh, uh, Mike's insight is excellent on, on any sports topic. Women's basketball right now, the, uh a big part of what uh, he is writing about, uh, to say the least, and very interesting stuff. We'll talk some women's basketball, then of course we'll talk uh, obviously some men's basketball, and maybe a little bit on the on the great wonderful world of coaching carousels and transfer portals. But we don't have a two hour show, so we can we we can't, don't have a lot to can't get, get into all that today. But I want to thank our sponsor, the Union Club Hotel. And the Boiler Up Bar, 811 Bistro, uh, all the things that you can do at the Union, as Brian Newbert says on his uh, on his rap videos. If they had hotels and uh, unions at it, it, this weekend in Iowa City, he'd be in one. But uh, we appreciate all that they do for for us. All right, Mike, let's start with men's basketball. Obviously, Purdue, a, anytime, and you've seen many of them over the years. But the Boilermakers, an extremely impressive performance for. 35 out of the 40 minutes, probably, uh, against Indiana and and a, the biggest win in Bloomington since 1934 in terms of point spread. But just your your impressions of what you saw uh, on Tuesday night and uh, where this basketball team is.
1: Did you cover the game in 1934?
0: I did not. I was going to – I stopped short of saying – I did say that in some other interview I had, that uh, I was not at that game. It was forty-seven to thirteen. That I know, but I think a, a, a IU missed an extra point or something like that in that game. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I, th-
1: this team is still in good shape. I'm, you know, I you don't want to go too far out on a limb, but I still think this is the best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, I still think they win the Big Ten by multiple games. That could be two. That could be three. <laughs> I, I, I still well, think well, more than one. Okay. More than i still think that and i and, I, and they still have probably a, a loss or two ahead of them just based on circumstances and 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 other things but um as as you know and everybody knows this is a better team than it was last year yeah additions and the improvement and the maturity uh, and getting older on the perimeter um but you know what that means in march we don't know yet and that's for a different day but You 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 like the way they took care of business. You like the way that they um, leaned on their strengths, which is Zach and uh, some other some other guys there. And getting Fletcher Lawyer involved is always a a positive for them. Uh, You know, the more balance they have, the more people you have to guard on the floor, the tougher they are to defend. And you know, Indiana has some shortcomings that. This does not, they don't match up well with Purdue. And a lot of teams face that too. But uh, impressive win against your rival always makes you feel better. But, you know, in the Big Ten, you got to do it again. And you got to go on the road again and do it at Iowa, a team that's going to put up some points. Um, So, you know, Purdue's offense has got to be at a high level. And to me, this is a very simple approach for this team. If they take care of the ball, they're going to score, and they're probably going to win. I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of what I think this team is and what this season is going to come down to.
0: You know, you saw in, in the game in in December against Iowa, of course, Purdue was up 28, I think, maybe even more than that in that game, and it really wasn't competitive. Iowa has matchup problems with Purdue, too. Now, Iowa's got some different look. Like you said, they can score it, and uh, – And they are playing better. At least got your attention by their win at Minnesota and beating Nebraska at home like a drum after Purdue couldn't beat Nebraska. Uh, There are some things that lead you to believe that this can be a competitive game. But uh, again, it just seems like Purdue can stay on task. uh, It it should be fine uh, later today uh, when the Boilermakers take on the Hawkeyes.
1: Well, I mean, it's going to be tough. It's a road game against a yeah. team already beat pretty handily. Uh, you know, they're going to start. You know, we're getting to the point of the year now. where Purdue's going to face teams that are desperate to they improve. Their, yeah, improve their Big Ten standings, but also improve their NCAA standings. And you know, Purdue is a they're a walking quad one for everybody <laughs> that plays. And so that's that's a big time victory for for teams. So they've got to you know, you've, you've still got to play with the edge and you can't take anything for granted. You have to stay focused. And again, it, it comes down to turnovers and they've had their, most of their turnover problems have come away from Mackey Arena. You know, when you look at Northwestern and you look at, uh, you know, Nebraska. So whatever the formula is there to keep those turnovers at a reasonable number, uh, they're going to they're gonna be in great shape and they're not going to shoot the ball as well as they do every night. But as, as we've seen, they crash the offensive boards really well. They get their second opportunities. And that seems to get them from, from point A to point B most time, most nights.
0: Now You and I are both old enough to remember the last time that there were back-to-back national players of the year. Ralph Sampson, I think he was seven years old at the time and I was eight. But uh, this, you know, Zach Eadie. And you talked about it, wrote about it, and I know Brian did as well. Just that whole edge, he seemed to be kind of playing like he was honked off. It's simple to say that. And then he plays extremely well against Penn State and Purdue Changed. I don't know if it changed its focus, but went back to getting him the ball again. Matchups have a lot to do with that. We saw that against Indiana as well, where Zach Eadie is playing like the National Player of the Year. Not that he was all that far off before, but talk about that development and just his his role as as uh, Purdue kind of works its way through the season. When you when you hope to get to a Final Four, uh, it it pays to have a guy like Zach Eadie that you can ride
1: all the way there. I think it's, I look at things pretty, it's pretty simple for me. <laughs> there you go. I mean, if you look at the last two games, um, especially in the first half, while he may have picked up a foul, I can't remember exactly. He uh, yeah, just won early. against Indiana, right. Um, I don't, I can't remember if he picked up a foul against Penn State early, but <clears throat> he's been on the floor to start the game longer than I can recall. Now that to go through the play-by-play sheet and all that, but I even mentioned something to Brian. I think Penn State. You know, he was still on the floor halfway through the first half, and maybe up to that, close to that eight-minute media timeout. Where before, in Always other fun. games yeah. throughout his career, he's usually out by the the twelve-minute media timeout. So he's been he's been on the floor longer, and I think maybe that's allowed him to to get more in a, in a flow and a rhythm, uh, and, the, and the matchups come into play with that. The the lack of fouls uh, with him plays a role in that. I mean, obviously, if he picks up two fouls, he's going to sit as long as, um, you know, Purdue can afford him to sit. Like, Mm -hmm. you remember the Illinois game where he got two fouls, sat the last eight minutes or so, and Purdue extended the lead. You know, if it had gotten close, I I don't know what Painter would have done at the end of the first half. But if you can afford to sit him with two fouls, you do it. But I do think it's just him being on the floor, getting into the rhythm, maybe a more concentrated effort to take advantage of those matchups that they've worked on. Um, I, I do know before the Penn State game, they they wanted to get him the ball a lot more. They wanted to get him more touches early in the possessions to establish uh, the inside game and force Penn State to, to make some decisions that, you know, they they couldn't really make. I mean they they're not comfortable either way. They're doubling and relieving uh, produce uh, shooters open. So I just think he's gotten a good rhythm here recently, and I would expect them to try to do the same thing on Saturday against Iowa, which again has matchup problems. And if you can get him rolling early, then I, he's a hard he's a hard guy to stop after that.
0: Yeah, no question. And uh, uh, one thing too that Iowa has not been known for a great deal of. Uh, Defensive skill and ability, again, they can score. Purdue's just got to I – mean, I don't know if it's being patient, but, you know, we talked about it. just make shots. Boy, Purdue looks like a good basketball team and Fletcher Lawyer makes shots or Lance Jones makes shots. I mean, it's – it's a, again, I, I'm using my Mike, Mike Carmen philosophy. It's not that difficult. Uh, Purdue, you, you put the ball in the basket, you look good. And uh, those guys have been doing a pretty good job of that. What's that?
1: And you take care of the ball.
0: Yeah, and you take care of the ball, and, and, even, and certainly uh, I think under 10 turnovers against Indiana uh, was a step in the right direction in a hostile environment, and and uh, that didn't seem to bother Purdue, even when Indiana made it uh, and Trey Galloway went off in the second half. Uh, it did bother them. I mean, they got it down to nine points, but they weathered the storm. Uh, that, to me, was one of the uh, another thing, a clear sign of a team that uh, – that uh, has another gear and uh, it seems that's the case with Purdue that they might, uh, you you talked about that, the maturity, that extra year, they're not last year's team. They're this year's team. They've got some players and Jones and Heidi, especially that really make a difference. Is that, is that a fair, simple, simple compilation of what we're watching at this point?
1: Yeah. I mean, they, they they had to go get more quickness than they did with Lance Jones and he can be a one man press break uh, at times. And he's, He's he's proven to be a really good three point shooter. You can't you can't leave him open on the perimeter. Um, so yeah, that's simple. And they've got more more depth to go with. Cam Heidi's been pretty solid, coming off the bench, uh, giving them whether it's a three pointer, um, some defensive stops. Um, you know, so Matt as everyone knows, Matt has a lot of options he can go to depending on what's happening. Um, I think one area that may doesn't get enough attention or hasn't gotten as much attention, attention is this: the production they've they've gotten from their four men, Mason Gillis and Trey yeah. Kaufman, Um, You know, Trey Kaufman Rens had nights where you know he had 23 in one night, um, and kind of carried carried some load there. You know, Mason has always been solid uh, in, in what he does, and he's coming off the bench. You know, he, he brings physicality. He brings three-point shooting. He brings yeah. toughness. Uh, he rebounds well. You know, I found a stat the other day that he has as many offensive rebounds that he does as he as he as he has three-pointers. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know I don't know that <laughs> for a four-man that seems like a pretty good combination uh, to have. So I I think what they're getting out of the four position has really maybe pushed them forward yeah. another level. Uh, to compliment Zach in what, you know, what he does. Uh, so things are trending in the right direction for them, but, you know, the big Ten's filled with landmines and, and it happens this way. This time, it happens sometimes like this where everybody has an off shooting night for some reason. And, you know, you find yourself in a hostile environment and you can't get out of it for, for whatever reason. But, but right now it's, uh, they're trending in pretty good direction.
0: Yes, this uh, Saturday simulcast is evergreen till about 4:30 p.m. Eastern.
1: Then everything we've
0: said may or may not be true uh based on the results in Iowa City and certainly uh, uh that I think is true. I think it uh, uh, again, I think there's a general feeling that Purdue's in good shape and and trending everything trending in the right direction but uh, I do I agree with you, Mike. I I don't see them going undefeated here the rest of the Big Ten season. There there's somebody that's going to get them at uh, get them on the road and cause Purdue to recalibrate a little bit. And that may not be a bad thing for Matt Painter's team, just because uh, just making those tweaks and doing some things a little bit differently and better. Still got to get better from January the twentieth to uh the third week in march uh, you want to be you want to be better so all right now we want to talk also women's basketball nobody knows women's basketball purdue women's basketball more than mike carmen Great lafayette sports report is a if you haven't had a chance to subscribe to that uh, operators are standing by but a great uh mike does a great job with that and his analysis of a team that you know on thursday night just kind of seemed to me to be more, and I don't watch them near as much as you do, but seemed to be a little bit of more of the same, uh, with, at, at least on the road against Penn State in a, in a double digit loss in the game that the Board of Makers could not penetrate that to single digits. It didn't seem much in the second half. Talk about where Katie Gerald's team is. They're nine and eight right now, their net is near 80. Uh, they have opportunities. We will talk about Indiana on Sunday. There's a lot of teams they can beat if they could get somehow really do an about face to get back the tournament. But it seems to me uh, that is becoming a little far fetched at this point for Katie Gerald's third team.
1: Yeah, I mean they they put themselves in a in a, in a hole right now, uh, and it's going to take a lot to get out of it. And with who they have to play and where they're positioned in the Big Ten, you know they're going to have to go on a pretty substantial winning streak to, to climb out of that. I mean, the way things are jumbled in the Big Ten, you're not that far from being where they're at now to yeah. climbing a new position, but it's more than that because the record's not what it should be or what they had hoped it would be uh, being at 9 and 8. Uh, they, they lost too many games in the non-conference. So, you know, they have a lot of work to even, I think, get back to thinking about the NCAA tournament. I mean, their focus right now is just trying to find a win, break the three-game losing streak, and figure out a way to take care of the basketball early in the game. They've had yeah. high turnovers uh, in the first quarter and the first half. It's put them in um, put them in big holes the last two games at Maryland and at Penn State, um, and there a lot of them are unforced turnovers, are uh, just plays that you would expect being made. At this level, um, you'd be curious going back and the, the combination of forced and unforced turnovers. They had some live ball turnovers last night that that hurt them. Uh, you know, once they got down double digits, they never could get it back. And um, but they're in a they're in a tough spot right now, uh, trying to get a win. I mean, you have a group of veterans that have brought you to this point, but you also have a good nucleus of, of freshmen. That, that it's getting more and more playing time, and probably probably should get should get more and more playing time as as we move forward here, because uh, you need to have a little bit of an eye to the future, an eye to next season. No one in the program is going to say that, but you know that has to be part of the thinking as they um, as they navigate here the the next couple weeks to get to the end of January to see what exactly February can mean for them.
0: Yeah, you know, you look at the, I think the end of the game we on Thursday night against Penn State, you had five freshmen on the floor. Um it's not, again, it's as simple as that, that you're not going to play any of your 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 vets down the stretch, but it'll be interesting to see. And, and you know, Katie Geralds is still forming a program, even though it's year three and they made the NCAA tournament in year two. Um, and they may take a step back from that standpoint this year. But talk about just her evolution as a coach. And, and yes, some of the things that she's got good, solid recruiting class coming in. There's reason for optimism, but uh, got to be a little bit of a de- challenge for her just because, um, you know, she had that tremendous success at Marion, but also just, you know, the, the evolution of a program and building it and, and trying to get that foundation as solid as possible moving forward.
1: Yeah. I mean, and she's, you know, she's a competitive person as yeah. all as a player. He's competitive as a coach, you know. A lot of coaches just they want to snap their fingers and fix everything, and this this can't be fixed with a snap of a finger. Um, and you know, it's interesting with the transfer portal, and this applies to Purdue, I think, a little bit, but maybe not across the board. Is that you? When you use the transfer portal, and, and you know, Purdue, Purdue did use it under under Sharon, and they've used it a little bit under Katie, but you're getting players that you didn't recruit for three years in high school. So how much are they bought into what you're doing? And so I think that's a challenge, another challenge for today's coaches, making sure that everybody's engaged and people that you've spent time with are on your side and are going to push forward. And I'm not saying that's happening at Purdue, but I think it's an overall uh, situation with the transfer portal uh, that they're not. They haven't been with your program that long. They're either one year, two years, and you know, in some of the cases with Purdue, they're three years. So you hope that they they've bought into what's going on here. But that um, she has a she has a good group of veterans that have been that have been solid. Uh, but you know, they've they've probably reached their ceiling a little bit, and when you got your young kids that probably need a few more minutes. And I think that's a challenge for her, growing as a coach, to how to balance this out. Um, getting your young kids the right amount of playing time, but also still keeping your veterans engaged uh, to the point where they're 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 trying to win games for you, and you know end their careers on a on a high note. But you know, with this team, you know if they can figure out a win here in the next week or so, maybe that pushes them forward a little bit more. Uh, but you know they they do have a lot of challenges ahead of them. And, you know, and she's, she's trying to balance both there. I mean, it's it's hard because you, you want that success. You want to take another step forward. You know, they did make the tournament last year, but they made it in the play-in game. So I've used the word incremental in there. Yeah. And, you know, this year was set up to take another incremental step forward. Now we'll see if that, ha- if that actually happens, but there will be steps forward even if they don't make the tournament because you're going to get your freshmen a lot of playing time to kind of set you up here uh, to combine with some of the recruiting classes that, that you have coming in and some of the players that, that they're recruiting.
0: All right. It's cold in Lafayette, West Lafayette, uh, and you have time to ponder. We talked transfer portal women's basketball, but I want to ask you one question. It's on the landscape of college sports. And I know you've worked some solutions and have talked to, uh, uh, all the people at the NCA and every place to try to solve some of this. What, what what we're seeing, transfer portal, like I said, NIL, everything that's going on. Anything from a landscape standpoint. I mean, obviously Purdue football is going to have a what did we say twenty seven new uh, uh, new uh, faces on its roster next year uh when with respect to that uh, several mid year enrollees. but anything that's come to you, come to mind uh, as you uh, as you think about what the future of all this is it, it's a, it's a tough question to end this on but uh anything that's uh, jumping out at you from a trend that, uh, that gives you some feeling that there'll be some guardrails or something put up that uh, will return to some level of i don't know normalcy but just some level of uh, being able to uh, Navigate an environment for coaches, I guess, maybe it's the best way to say it.
1: I don't, I don't think there's a, a solution. <laughs> honest, I, I I just think this is going to be a never ending cycle of running around in circles um, because you have too many people involved, you have too many entities that want to be involved. You've got to cater to the schools, the NCAA, the the athletes. Um, And the list goes on. You got to, you know, Congress is now involved. Um, I I just don't think it ever gets to a point where um, it's it's doable. I mean, you've got to, you know, and the one thing that gets in the way, especially with the transfer portal and around football, is the one thing that they all should be here for, and that's to go to school, because the football transfer portal happens so quickly because second semester classes start and football coaches want those athletes there enrolled in school so they can go through spring ball. So you have a very tight window from the end of the football season to win second semester classes to do all this. And you've got, you know, you, you, you've blown up teams that are playing in bowl games and they get beat 63 to three, mm-hmm. which is not good for anybody. Yeah. Um, but it's all centered around I've got to get these guys in school so I can start coaching them in spring ball. Uh, So how do you change that? Yeah. How do you, you can't change that. I mean, you just, you cannot change that. So there's a lot of things that need to happen around that to maybe slow the role, especially in football, the transfer portal being such a nuisance in December and early January whether that's, and I know Brian has written about it and other people have written about it, whether that's moving, quote, bowl games to the beginning of the year to make sure everybody can, wants to play, can play, doesn't opt out to the only, to the thing where in December, the only thing you have is the college football playoff. And most guys are going to stick around to participate in the college football playoff. But once they lose, they're done. They can go in the portal. They can do whatever they want. So I mean that's that's one I don't know if it's a solution but it's one idea to maybe slow the slow the roll a little bit but it's you know with NIL you know it, it's pay for play is what it is and I, I just I just don't see how this ends in a in a positive way for everybody I mean I just think a year from now we're gonna you're gonna ask me the same question yeah yeah and I, I'm not gonna have an answer nobody's gonna have an answer they can't wrap their their head around it um, is the solution making them employees. I probably not. Uh, is the solution breaking away and having football as its own independent animal out there? Maybe. Uh, but there's just You just have so many tentacles trying to get involved in these things that it's you know it's very hard to come down with a a, a clear solution as far as what needs to happen to to calm this thing down and kind of get it back to where it should be, where you are academic based. You don't hear anybody talk about going to, going to get a diploma. And now, you know, how does a, how does a player get to be in college for nine years with the, the the guy from Miami? I mean, I know he's, but at some point, (laughs) don't you have to get your life and, and do something else uh but i don't know it's i've just, yeah. just scrambled i've wasted a couple of your minutes on your precious time but <laughs> I, well, I don't, I'm not, there's not a solution if there was a solution it's like asking a coach like like me asking katie gerald so how do you fix the turnover problem well if i knew that answer i'd, I'd already fixed it yeah so yeah. same situation here how do you how do you fix this when there's absolutely no solution out there to, to get it fixed?
0: Yeah, I think it, it, you're right. It, it is a, and we're so used to dealing with problems that there, you know, there's at least one of three answers you might be able to come up with. I don't, I don't even know where that is here. Last quick, quickly on, is it a football? Do you still look at the, in the big picture? This seems to be, Maybe because Purdue men's basketball, I'm going to use them as an example, seems to have a lot of stability, and that that could change in two years, you know, from a transfer portal. Who the heck knows? But is this really a a football problem that you've got to fix or you've got to figure out or something, or or we live in this continual merry-go-round, but is it a football problem, 95% of it in your view?
1: Oh, yeah, it is a football problem because of, the way the the schedule and the calendars are set up. Basketball has, you know, there's transfer portal issues with basketball and other sports, but football is the main one because the value that's put on spring practice, the value of getting guys into your program as early as possible.
0: Yeah.
1: And that bumps up against, you know, you got two worlds colliding there. You have the end of the season with playoffs and bowl games going up against the transfer portal opening, and then going up against second semester classes Yeah, starting. I mean, you can't, can you get every power five university to start second semester <laughs> classes at the same time? No, you can't. I mean, you can't, you can't control that. So it, it is a football problem. It's a football issue that needs to get taken care of, but it has to get taken care of around the academic component of it because you, schools are not going to change what they do in that area just to satisfy Fixing the transfer portal, so you you've got to work around that first, and then figure out a way. What's the best solution to get you, to get everybody to that point? And it, I think, the less games you have in December, allows that maybe to to progress a little bit better uh, because you're running up against all these bowl games. But the other component of that is TV, ESPN or whoever. They want their bowl games in December because they got to have content on their air and that's what people watch. So it's a, it's a, it's a tough balance because you need the money, but you also got to give the players their freedom to do what they want. Um, I I do believe there should be tighter rules on transfers. uh, But anytime you try to get that through, you you end up in court uh, because everybody feels like they have a right to to move freely. In the real world, I can do that because I'm a freelancer, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but other people have contracts and non-compete clauses that they have to abide by. So there's a whole host of issues that have to get ironed out, and I, I just don't see that happening uh, anytime soon and may not happen in my lifetime.
0: Yeah, yeah I think you uh, are on to something. And, um, yes, it is what, you know, what's, this, what's to say you can't uh, challenge, uh, uh, you know, the ability to stay in school. Like I said, nine years ago, one, you know, what's to say that I want to go and get my doctorate, but I want to play college football, you know.
1: Yeah, what, what programs are you taking in your ninth year academically? I'm not sure.
0: I'm not sure. I had a hard time getting them in four or five. So that is that, uh, that part, that's the thing. If I'd, <laughs> that's been, that's I'd a hard... still be in school. Yeah, you bet. So Mike, thanks for your, for your insight as always. And uh, uh, always interesting, even if we are uh, uh, spinning our wheels in football or portal conversation, it is, uh, it is a topic that is being hit all the time. So we will take a, I don't know, we're not really going to take a show. We're going to take a transition. To Tom Deanhart, and we'll talk some pretty football recruiting. Uh, and uh, we'll look forward to doing that. So, Mike, thanks again. Have a great rest of your weekend, and uh, we'll stay tuned. We'll be with Tom here in a second. Tom Gene, Dean Hart joins us first. I guess to call it the second segment of uh, Saturday simulcast. And Tom, uh, nobody covers pretty football more than better than Tom Deanhart, and we're grateful for all his work. This uh, and Tom's been living in the environment of head on a swivel over the over such a long period of time. It is an interesting time, obviously, in Purdue football recruiting. And Ryan Walters is working hard to make an impact and build a foundation. Uh, I know for the Penn State men's basketball game, uh, Zach Eady was on the floor, but so was Tom Deanhart uh, as scouting out some of those uh junior day guys that came in but just talk about kind of where you know i know that this weekend it's a big weekend if, if coaches are are making an impact in indianapolis on down you've written about that but just kind of give me a a broad stroke view of what you're seeing from ryan walter's staff uh really in his first kind of full uh swing at uh, at the high school recruiting landscape
2: yeah, you know, that was that was supposed to be a strength of Walters and his staff. And I think I think it has been so far, Alan. Yeah. The ability to connect with these kids. I mean, uh, we, we it's well documented how young the Purdue staff is, led by Ryan Walters, who Alan, I believe, has a birthday on Sunday. That's
0: right. Behold 38. <laughs>
2: 38. You remember when
0: you were 38?
2: <laughs> I can't even remember 38, Alan. I I I still own a comb when I was 38. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, um, you know, they got a late start last year. Obviously, he came in in December, got his staff together. They sort of had to keep the class together. Brahman had, had assembled and added a few guys. Well, this is more of, an, I think, an indication, 2024 class and beyond, maybe, of, of the recruiting acumen of Walters and company. And, you know, the class this year that they signed, uh, at least December 20, at the first wave of guys, uh, I think was pretty well received. Uh, well, ranked, I want to say, in the 30s in the nation by on three. Um uh a nice collection, I think, of offensive linemen and defensive backs in particular, Alan. And if they're turning the page, obviously now. All eyes are on 2025 kids. Uh, juniors right now will be seniors next fall. And they've got four commitments already, Alan. They got a big one recently from Terry on Grant, the big six foot four, six foot-four cornerback, Alan. From Murfreesboro, Tennessee, a four-star kid, had a who's who list of offers. And uh, he, he, he'd been a silent verbal for a couple months, Alan, went public, uh, I believe it was on Sunday. So big get. Again, four guys. They've got a quarterback for, for next year, too, already, Alan Sawyer-Anderson, a five foot ten kid from Texas. And uh, they got a running back also and a, and a linebacker. So they got four in, the, four in the can, so to speak, Alan. And they they hosted the four or five kids this last Saturday you were talking about over in, Ro- uh, over in Mackey Arena, some 2025 guys. And now there's a name on there you may be familiar with, uh, Cameron Gorin, uh, the son of Brandon Gorin, a uh, big six-foot-five offensive tackle from Hamilton Southeastern. He was there. John Anthony Hall, a wide receiver from Fishers. Allen, he he got an offer last week when he was here. Nizzy Davis, a big six-six tight end from Lawrence Central. So uh, uh, again, and, and, and all Indianapolis kids, right? And, and, and Friday, the staff is sort of blitzing Indianapolis, if you will um i like calling it nap town my, my dad always called <laughs> it but it's a nap town and Naptown, they they did yeah. last year of course if you're a purdue football coach purdue anything you want to have a good presence in, in in the capital city and they, they they've got an itinerary if, if schools are hitting they're going to go to a basketball game tonight and uh yeah you know they're they're they're, they're all they're at it they're at it trying to connect with these kids and um no no visits this weekend alan um there's no basketball home game um But again, uh, they've been busy on the road all across the nation during the course this last week. The blitz in Indianapolis on Friday, and uh, I think what next Saturday they play Michigan at home. Basketball team does. I want to say is that right?
0: No, they play a Tuesday though. They don't have a home men's basketball game till IU on February tenth. A weekend home game. Really not because. they go to they go to they have Michigan on Tuesday, which I'm sure they could have some kids, some low, relatively local kids up for that. And Then of course they go to Rutgers. Then they go to the Wisconsin the following weekend. And of course Indiana. Yeah, it's weird because they really oh, only have three weekend games left. With <laughs> uh, uh, they've got obviously Indiana on the tenth, then they've got Michigan State on the second, and then Wisconsin on Senior Day on the tenth.
2: Interesting. Uh,
0: really makes it a little bit of a challenge because that's why that Penn State, you know, you, you got to showcase that number one team when you're, or top top two team, I should say right now that uh, uh, makes a big difference. Uh, interesting part. What do you see about, you know, again, coaches, you've been around coaches a long time and understand building. We were talking with Mike in segment one about Katie Gerald's and trying to build a foundation mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and having an identity. Is it harder or is it almost impossible impossible to have that in the transfer portal world but yet what you're seeing is that indiana connection trying to get that foothold what do you see is the law is the strategy of ryan walters and company to is it scattershot or is it really we want to get this base handled here in, uh, in 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 that 250 mile radius what do you see from that standpoint
2: yeah i think you always want to for generations alan you always want to win your home state right you want To keep your best players at home if you can and sort of fan out from there, but you know, I, I think it always means a little bit more to guys who are from the state. You know, they yeah. they they understand the state, they understand Purdue, uh, the Purdue rivalry, their families are nearby. So, I, I think those guys have maybe a little bit more invested. Uh, uh, but again, you just want good players, right? Yeah, I don't care where they're from, you always you want are good players, and um. And uh, this staff obviously has made its presence felt far and wide, uh, on the high school recruiting front, you know, going to Mississippi, you know, Tennessee to Texas, uh, on and on it goes. They've uh, they've really fanned the country, um, looking for talent. But again, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, um players come and go more than, than ever in this era with the transfer portal, Alan. So the task has got to be tougher for coaches. Um who have guys who are, I don't want to call them mercenaries, but these transfers come in, Alan, and uh, I'm sure you're supposed to be team first. I'm sure these guys are team first, but they came here because they want to play, man. I'm sure they want to win, but they want to play. They, they, they saw an opportunity to come to Purdue to play and get on the field. That's what everybody wants. That's what Alan Carpenter wanted to do back in 1977. <laughs> you just want to get off the bench and play or you and i tra- didn't and I, did, I
0: didn't get off at all but <laughs> you
2: could have transferred to frontier or benton central <laughs> you want, everybody wants to play so uh, you got it's tough man you know you got you got to manage egos you got to manage people's wants and you got to look for selfishness it's tough i mean it's tough but i guess you try to develop some type of baseline culture I think a lot of that, Alan, starts with your strength coach. Honestly, the one coach who probably spends more time with players than any other guy on the staff is Kiro Small. Yeah, and boy, I, I've talked to Kiro a few times, know him just a little bit, and other people talk about him in very high, uh, very high praise, very high words for Kiro. What he's meant just, just not from a physical development standpoint, but from I think a culture standpoint and work ethic standpoint. So he more than anybody may be responsible for for maybe establishing a baseline culture. In the Purdue football
0: program you know we've talked about it and we talked about it with Mike earlier also but just this whole navigating the world of change and being mm-hmm. able to be in that environment and to be able to weather the storm and again we're not we're not in Ryan Walters uh, having breakfast with him every morning so we don't know really what he feels but boy it does seem like if there's any chance to to be able to have a guy that to, that can deal with the thousand things that are thrown at him and not really let it phase him all that much, is it safe to say at least that this that uh, Ryan Walters takes a step in the right direction there? Because maybe because of that 38 uh, year old body, I don't know, but uh, it seems to me he's he's kind of hanging in there and uh, just doing his thing, controlling That's what balanced. he can control. Yeah, <laughs> amen to that, brother.
2: And then I think, when, as you were talking, I yeah, I think you you gave the answer. I was thinking of the youth of Walters. Um, you know, he's 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 a younger guy, more adaptable to change, not set in his ways. We saw Nick Saban leave. They said some of that was due to the changing landscape of college football yeah. uh, landscape. Uh, he didn't grow up navigating, and I, I understand it. You know, I, I get it. But again, I think maybe that's that's one of the strengths of having a younger coach. Who's not phased, you're not put off by by uh this new era, um, these gosh darn kids who want money, you know? Yeah. It, doesn't do it. it doesn't do any good, yeah. it doesn't do any good to shake your fist at the clouds out. These yeah. are the rules. This is how the game's played. Either embrace it or fail, right? Yeah, and it's like that in life across every stage. Uh, you gotta you gotta embrace what what it is, and if not, you're gonna get left behind. And I think Ryan Walters. Fully embraces the landscape of college football. I think that was maybe part of the reason why he was hired too, Alan. Um, For a lot of reasons, but I I think some of it was that youth, uh, the wide-eyed ability to to not be daunted by by any task. Purdue's a tough job. This is a tough landscape. We all know it. Walters just shrugs his shoulders and keeps moving forward. And we've seen him stump for a more robust collective. He knows what it takes to win. And uh I think it's gonna be fun to see where this thing is at in two or three years, Alan. Um, this coming fall is gonna be interesting, right? Um, 18 team, Big Ten, tough schedule. Notre Dame's back coming off a four and eight season, you know, 14 transfers. How's all this gonna look? There's the storylines tumble out of my head when I think about it. Uh big year, Alan. A big year. Can't Purdue get back to the bowl business. It's gonna be a lot of fun uh tracking this team starting um. Spring football here in what about probably about two months from now, Alan? If you believe it, two months from now, shine your helmet, get your mouthpiece ready, Alan. About two months from now, they're gonna be cracking skulls over there on Northwestern Avenue.
0: Yeah, I think you know, we as <laughs> older guys can come up with all these reasons why Purdue can't compete. Right. Uh, you know, if the four teams that are coming into the league are all higher up in the food chain than Purdue has been historically with maybe the exception of UCLA. Um, and, but I think you're exactly right. If there's any chance to do, you can't control that. Uh, you, you know, you want to put fans in the stands. That's going to be an interesting thing that you got to schedule this year with Notre Dame and mm-hmm. Oregon and Penn state, right. Coming to Ross aid Penn state comes as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be attractive. It's a fun thing to do. Uh, maybe we shouldn't worry about it all that much. Just let it flow. Yeah. Let them handle it. Because yeah. I sit there and think, oh man, this isn't going to work all long term. But um, you know, who's to say? Who's to no. say? And I think Ryan Walters. It, it does seem that 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 uh, the way he at least approaches it uh, uh, is a good way to is a is a path to some level of success. And well, we'll
2: see think, what want, one thing to think about. I, I I read a lot of stuff and listen to podcasts. And uh, from other college football writers, and the second year for a transfer quarterback, the leap that they make, yeah. which is which, which you think would be natural for anything, right? But boy, that year one to year two in the program, which for your transfer quarterback we, we, if you if you look at some of the guys who have done this last two or three years, that second year, boy, that's really a big jump up. So here we are year two for Hudson Card um familiarity uh more comfort out he never really been a long-term starter before either i think people forgot that about hudson card he looked good he was solid this year but he only started i think five games in three years at texas and uh so i I think i think maybe everybody's hoping maybe hudson card takes a big leap in his uh in his development and evolution in 2024 as well
0: yeah we saw a very good hudson card when he was healthy Uh, which was an issue uh, this past year, and it's always going to be an issue for quarterbacks. We know that. You just watch the watch uh, the NFL. You watch every level. That uh, it's always a challenge to keep that that position healthy. But yeah, I like. I like that. Uh, I'm with you on that. I think Hudson Card is a guy that you can build around. He's the right—you know—far more, more than I. The right personality, um, uh, maybe from a leadership standpoint. That uh, if there's any way to to congeal this and and have a have a normal, a, a relatively normal, stable situation, he gives you that opportunity. Because by yeah. the time he's done, he's going to be 24 years old too, right? By you know, or at that 23, 24 age, is another uh, year, yeah. You know, yeah, and uh, that's a, that's a big thing from a maturity standpoint.
2: And again, again, I think the offensive line is going to be much better this year, Alan. Yeah, they've got four portal guys now. They got two junior college transfers. Those are six grown men, six grown offensive linemen who are just add water ready to go. That are on campus now. They're going to go through spring football. You mix those six guys with a pretty solid core of veterans coming back up front, Alan, with Musa and Bo Hartwig, Jalen Grant, Luke Griffin. Long story short, depth's going to be much better this year, and that line should be much better equipped. You would think to protect Hudson Card and maybe Allen get a little better push in those third and one and fourth and one situations we always
0: see Purdue struggle in, uh, especially in the red zone. All right, uh, we'll leave that with an optimistic uh tone to this which we try to be anyway but uh, uh that's that's part of the part of the storyline. All right, for all of you out there uh, stay warm. Uh don't shovel too much snow or get your snow blower out if you can. That's my that's my advice. But also uh we appreciate Tom's work and Mike Carmen's expertise stay tuned we'll have more next week as well there's always going to be a storyline when it comes to purdue football recruiting and off-season stuff with this wonderful thing uh, uh the portal and nil always uh, subject lines as well so thanks to the union club hotel the 11 bistro boiler up bar uh we appreciate them and all that they do this don't forget that you can vote for the uh purdue uh, union club hotel and the Marriott bonvoy uh it's one of the best hotels in the in its program around the united states and and it is that with vicky wicks and that company that uh, do a great job there so have a great rest of your weekend all thanks so much for joining us and a reminder too that you can subscribe to the thing called goldenblack.com. We have a lot of offers out there, special offers if you want to become a member. Uh, you can mix it up with the knuckleheads. Tom Deanhart will answer yeah. your questions from time to time.
2: <laughs> uh, it's bad to be in the we're... chat today, Alan. Yeah, I've got, cha-
0: got, got his Friday chat, which is great stuff. Uh Brian <laughs> Newbert uh, will he 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 juggles it as well as anybody as well. Uh we would love to have you as a subscriber. Uh if you watch us on YouTube or uh listen to us on uh on your favorite podcast channel think about becoming a member because it really is worth your time. I'm a little biased, but I think it really is. So again, have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for watching and listening. We'll be back next week with our Saturday simulcast.
2: 18 plus.